up, Doc, and welcome to Hiding Behind the Music Stand. I'm your host, Patty Ryan, and with me is Maureen Conroy, who is the principal librarian of the Minnesota Orchestra, and we'll be talking about her amazing doodles and cartooning. Welcome, Maureen. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Patty. Yay! Yay! <laughs> So I obviously met you because I applied to be an assistant librarian at the Minstrel Orchestra when I first moved here, and you so graciously hired me, and you've just been such a wonderful, I mean, boss? Like, what do I, I, I don't know, I almost feel weird calling you that, but it's like, I feel very included being part of the Minnesota Orchestra Library is such a tight-knit family, and I feel like it's because of you and also the people that you've hired along the way, like Eric. Isamora, past guest, and you just make the environment so welcoming. Aww, so thanks, thank Patty. you. <laughs> that makes me feel really good. I have to tell you though, like your resume kicked everyone else. Like, <laughs> out of, uh, the the HR person at the time when she brought that up, she was like, "This is the person who you guys should hire." Like, oh wow! Was, yeah. So, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I'm, in all fairness, I did have a little bit of librarian. I worked at the San Francisco Library Youth Orchestra Library back in the day, so yeah. I guess that helped. Yeah. You and, never know. Yeah. We're so lucky to have you. So. Oh. Um, the pleasure is out. Oh, I, I love just writing those up bows and down bows <laughs> and those slurs. And well, it's been a while since, you yeah, know, so the we, pandemic. We but. have missed all of you and definitely are feeling the things that we took for granted. Like how fast Patty could bow a set of stuff. And it was right. Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I made a mistake every now and then. We all do. But I'd say by and large, I was never concerned. Actually, I just pulled something else out of yours. And I was like, I'm not even thank you. <laughs> so, Maureen, can you tell me what your most insane performance story has been in your life so far? You know, that's a really hard one. I was listening to some of your other guests. Sure. And they have legit insane <laughs> <laughs> Because I think the biggest goal of the librarian is to have nobody know we exist. Like, put the fire out before people yeah, know there's a fire. Yeah, and most of the fires maybe would happen in rehearsal. But one time in Utah, I worked for the Utah Symphony before I came here, and we were doing a Beethoven festival, so there were a lot of Beethoven symphonies, and we were using the Baron Riders, and all the scores are the same color. Mm-hmm. And the conductor just handed me the score, and we were chatting and laughing, and I just didn't even look at it, and I went down. And I put it out and somebody else, either principal viola, like said something to me. So I didn't even look. I uh-huh. just opened it up and walked back out. And the concert master stood up to tune the orchestra and he looked down and then looked over to the wings and was like, uh-oh. And it was, sorry, I'm pointing like you guys can see me. He pointed to the music director stand and looked to the wings and was like, that isn't the right one. Yeah. And so luckily the music director's office was only like up a flight of stairs. Sure. But you just shoot straight up. It's so cool- I ran as fast as I could grabbed the right one and walked out and the audience started clapping because that's what they're trained to do yeah yeah and I replaced the score and I actually did that was my first solo like curtsy bow. okay <laughs> yeah I did a little curtsy and I went back off stage and the, it was the music director Thierry Fisher of Utah and he was like bravo more. Yeah. I was like thanks don't ever do that again yeah. <laughs> I mean, but as you say, mistakes sometimes happen. And that's one that's really easy to mistake as well, because it's all the same font, the same color, it's the same composer, you know. I'll never do it again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, there's stories like that where people like accidentally put scores upside down. Sure. Or, you know, just open to the wrong page Mm -hmm. or something like that. So, I mean, it's not something I ever want to do again. Right. That way. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And you shall not. I shall not. 
Yes. No. <laughs> that is another side of, I suppose, the performer in The Librarian, especially right before the concert, is making sure everything is in order. And that's the entire orchestra's music and, of course, the conductor's scores. And you just never know who's going to take something and forget it at home. It's one of those things where it almost feels like a performance because you have to be kind of ready, as I said earlier, to put out fires, any potential fires. Yeah, that's true. And luckily, my colleagues are very responsible and by and large don't show up without their parts. But every now and again, I have to make that sprint of the two. Now it's even more flights of stairs <laughs> right, yeah. to the Minnesota Orchestra Library. But you know, <laughs> I didn't know. light cardio is never going to hurt anyone. Yeah, I, that, that was my interval training for the day. Right, exactly. <laughs> Okay, shall we talk about your child and pets? Sure. How's Florence doing? Florence is doing great. She is doing a Spanish camp oh, this awesome. week. It's mornings. I just signed her up for stuff so she can interact with some other kids because yeah. there was so much time in the pandemic of mm-hmm. her just staring at me <laughs> and being like, I want a kid to play with. And yeah. It got really, really sad. But we've bounced back. Kids are so resilient. Yeah. I am very thankful for. And she's been learning the piano. Yay! I heard Aerie is her teacher. Aerie is her teacher. That's amazing. Yeah, and she's doing great. And she really listens to Aerie. And I have to sometimes, when I sit down to practice with her, right. have to remind her, would you do this for Miss Aerie? <laughs> <laughs> But she's, no, she's doing really, and she's enthusiastic. It's funny when she hears the piano mm-hmm. and, like, the things she listens to. She loves Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And she also, the Frozen soundtrack has a lot of piano in it. And she's sure. like, I want to play piano like that. Yeah. We've also been playing her the, I'm going to say his name wrong, Vikingir Olofsson. He is Icelandic piano player, and he did a box CD, and it's really incredible piano playing. Mm-hmm. But you look him up. He's okay. Good. And she likes, she likes hearing that. She's grown five inches mm-hmm. since the pandemic started mm-hmm. and it's just wow yeah that's a lot yeah it's a lot is it weird uh, sorry how old is she now she's five. five she'll be six in october wow it has it been rewarding to watch her grow or is it what does it feel like in the moment it can be really hard mm-hmm. because i am still trying to work and focus but i'm also grateful for the change in the relationship because i mean we're closer now yeah because my husband was the stay-at-home person yeah and then it kind of switched a little bit sure and it she's super attached which is yeah. awesome and not awesome at the same time <laughs> right. mostly awesome yeah 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 <laughs> and she's just a really great kid yeah she's very sweet what about Shasti and Elmira? Elmira came first. She's a cat. We were living in a loft in Detroit, and that was what they our best left. option, yeah. I think. And we were both super busy all the time, so a dog wouldn't have been okay. And she, we got her. She was probably far too young. It's actually kind of a sad story. So Kit, my husband used to work for the youth orchestra in education department in Detroit for Detroit Symphony. And one of his students, the mom, said their cat had kittens, mm-hmm. and we we want one and we're like yeah that'd be great so we came and we chose a kitten we're gonna name her Zarathustra oh cool because we're nerds and horn horn um, players horn (laughs) players yeah exactly retired horn player for me (laughs) and it was this little tiny kitten and she had like two white spots they were mostly tabbies and like black 
kittens. Yeah. And so she was a black kitten with like these two white spots. And we were talking and they're like, that, is that the kitten you chose? Because it's just staring at you in it. We had this like little Zarathustra connection. Then we get a call several weeks later that there were some kids that were playing with the kittens oh, and no. fed them adult cat food. Uh-oh. And so little Zarathustra choked on oh. a piece of food. And the mother was able to revive the kitten. <gasps> wow. But I'm sure she had lack of oxygen to her brain at some point. They took her to the emergency vet and kind of surrendered her because she was going to have like neurological program problems. Um, So I'm hoping that somebody with the means, because I certainly didn't have the means at the time to be able to take care of a special needs animal, was able to take care of her. Yeah. It was very sad. I mean, I almost felt responsible even though we hadn't like brought her home. It would have been a different, you know, kind of conversation, I think. So instead of that kitten, we ended up with a litter mate of hers, which was Elmira. Mm-hmm. And we knew we wanted a female cat because I think boy cats are kind of stinky. <laughs> <laughs> they like this spray stuff. Even when they're fixed, or that's the myth around them anyway. So anyways, we've got a female cat. And we named her Elmira because that is the horn solo from Shostakovich's 10th symphony. Mm-hmm. It spells Elmira with letter. It's I don't know the e- story, so yeah. La, M, you know, it kind of uses like the different M, yeah. M, M, me, you know, like the E. Yeah. Flat and then Ray. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's like I, I see. Which and again it's like Shostakovich was obsessed with one of his students. It's not a great story, no. but I <laughs> Welcome to Maureen Connery. He's going to bum you out. No, not at all. I was saying, like, welcome to composers with weird fetishes for their yeah, students. Yeah, I know. Well, I think at least the story behind her, she was like, no. Yeah, at least she cut yeah. it off. Yeah. So we have Elmira. Shosti, obviously we like Shostakovich, and we thought it would be kind of funny if there was this cat named Elmira who would, like, bop Shosti on the nose, because... <laughs> That's what he would deserve. Right. And we got Shasti. Once we had moved to Utah, we got him from a pound. And mm-hmm. I think he was like nine months old when we got him. Oh, okay. He's just a good dog. What kind of <laughs> what kind of dog? He is a lab pointer mix. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he's about 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's like a good sized dog. He's a good size. Yeah. yeah. He's a medium large or large. Sure. Yeah. And he is non-stop energy or was and once upon a time when I would train for half marathons he would run with me all the training runs oh, like do 12 great. miles like be wow. no trouble with it yeah our theory was that he was gonna go out in a blaze of glory sometime like just run off the edge of a mountain or do something <laughs> like we're hiking he just has like this crazy energy about him sure but as he's gotten older he's super mellow he's, he's a very so sweet dog yeah he, he's a little scared of strangers that's kind of one downside well and it's what you get when you you kind of don't know how they were socialized when they were puppies, which he was old for as far as like kind of changing that. Yeah. But he's he's a great dog. And the cat, I think, would totally be into him. Mm-hmm. He is not into the cat. He oh, doesn't chase her or anything. He just is like, Leave she's going to eat my food. I know it. Yeah. Well, give him little pets for me mm-hmm. and tell Florence I say hi again. Yeah. Are you ready for the Spitfire questions? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mahler or Bruckner? Mahler. Debussy or Ravel? Deb- <laughs> Ravel. Okay, okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay. Af- that's, a, that's actually a really hard one. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't know how to pick either. And I, I have a cat. Yeah, I like it when she's a lap cat. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. She does it every night. Oh. I get it for about 20 minutes. She's just trying to bribe me for food. Oh, is that it? Okay. <laughs> but, you know, Shasta keeps me active. He's also a cuddler. So, yeah. Yeah, that's not So right. you get the best of both worlds yeah. in that one. Yeah. Appetizer or dessert? Appetizer. Sparkling or still water? Still. 
Fan favorite question, alternate universe musical instrument. Oh, you know, I feel like since they have the, do have this love of Shostakovich, like it just always made me want to play the clarinet. Because uh-huh. there's always great clarinet writing and mm-hmm. it sounds really hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe clarinet. maybe clarinet or cello. The cello, you know, it's right in our, we kind of have the same like voice range. Sure. Those Bach cello suites were on horn, mm-hmm. horn auditions. So maybe I switched to cello. Yeah. Okay. Cello is pretty nice. But yeah. clarinet is definitely easier to carry around. It's true. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Mm-hmm. Neither. Neither. <laughs> I just want to sleep all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Pandemic guilty pleasure? I have to say it would probably be the wine. No. <laughs> as I grabbed yeah, from mine. Yeah, as you <laughs> yeah, I probably have imbibed a little bit more than I That's was. okay. Yeah, I, I, it's okay. Yeah. It's- we had to get through, and we're still going through, a really yeah. difficult, life-changing moment. Life, I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. So we need something to get us through a little bit yeah. of the dark times. Favorite professor shout out? Professor Haithcock, he is the director of bands at the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was just so fun to be in band. I don't like playing in band, but I liked playing in his band. I see. Obviously, I've never played in band because I've never played a woodwind or brass instrument. What's that experience like playing in band versus playing in a symphony? It can be very loud. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a different, a lot of different colors around you. I mean, it's very, it's very similar, but you just, you have to kind of play in it. And there's a lot more of you. So in a typical symphony, there may be like five horns on stage. Yeah. And that's like including assistant horn. Right. Whereas in band, there can be like eight horns and sometimes he would double stuff. So it's just a lot more sound around you and a lot more contemporary compositions because band has not been around as long as orchestras have. So compositions are newer. And so there's just, I think there's a lot more tolerance for that contemporary, like funky, like new sound Mm -hmm. when people are playing in band Mm -hmm. than maybe in orchestra when you want to have hear those old like you know warhorse like yeah sure symphonies which are around for a long time probably for a reason i mean and band has those too but i think there's a lot more exploration going on what was unique then about playing in his band he just held everyone to a really high standard and it was kind of the first group that i was in that people showed up and you did not show up unprepared Mm -hmm. like you were prepared and rehearsals were really fruitful he would say Section up rehearsals in a way so you, I mean, he was expecting you to be prepared, but he gave you a a fair chance to come prepared because he would tell you exactly what was going to happen in rehearsal that day. I see. And that way rehearsals just were so efficient, never a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And I just have a lot of respect for him for that. Yeah. So, and also he was, uh, we went, Michigan played at Carnegie Hall and I placed his score for him. Oh, cool. (laughs) So he was like starting me off on my library career, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why, I mean, like you say, favorite professor shout out, that's who I go with. Mm -hmm teacher is different. Mm. I would have a different... Do you want to share? Sure. So Denise Tryon, she was the fourth horn of Detroit mm. when I was working there and completely rebuilt my embouchure from oh, okay. scratch. I graduated with my master's degree. We started the next week. She now teaches at CCM, Cincinnati okay. Conservatory. But she's a really great teacher. I wasn't going to make it very far if I didn't do something about my embouchure. Was it to a point that you would injure yourself? Or? Um, I just had... I just was having the struggle to 
like really be flexible and like it was fine but yeah I probably would have ended up injuring myself at some point I see um like gosh it's been so long I couldn't even really tell you like why (laughs) why it happened it just needed to happen yeah just more flexibility in your range yeah and just being able to like I was like really pinched off when I was trying to play high and just like and she was so generous with her time she worked with me almost daily and only charged me for one lesson a week. Wow. And then, like, we did some exchange. Like, I would scan stuff for her. I would, like, do okay. some filing for her. Yeah. But, like, wonderful was- human. Oh, <laughs> wonderful human. And she was really, really trying to help me get there as a professional horn player. I just didn't have audition chops. I mean, it's not it's, for everyone. Yeah. And I was. Um, and you're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. The plan, you know. It worked out somehow. 2.1 was. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. 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 It's good. It's great, yeah. actually. It's probably more I'm more suited to it. Sure, sure. At the time, I was really. I mean, that's what you have your degrees, and you're like, "What am I doing if I'm not doing this?" Right, like, right. I'm sure a lot of people feel that. Yeah, especially in the pandemic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most inspired musical hero of any genre? Dolly Parton. <gasps> oh, exciting! Okay, <laughs> I recently got into her. She just is an incredible musician, songwriter, like, and just a lovely human being. Uh-huh. Like, she really like does her philanthropy and like means it. She can write a song. She can. My yeah. goodness. The Grass is Blue album is just mm-hmm. such a... I can listen to that. And I just find that bluegrass, the tight harmonies of that, just so tight and clean. And it's so interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. More so than a lot of pop music out there. But yeah, sure. she's go a to. good one. She's a go-to. Yeah. Most transformative performance experience? How would have to be in South Africa when the orchestra was on tour in South Africa. And we were playing in Soweto in the church, Beethoven 9, with the choir. And I was sitting... On a church season, I was actually sitting behind a pulpit where the audience couldn't see me, but I felt like I was surrounded by the choir almost because I was just off stage from there. And the voices and the audience just feeling that, like, just the whole vibe of the place. I mean, it was just so live with the ringing. Of the music. I mean, it was like, that's what you want to feel when you're a performer. Like, yeah. you're feeling the love coming from the audience and it's coming back off the stage. Yep. And it was just like tear jerking. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just that church is like such significance with like the apartheid movement sure. or ending apartheid. Mm-hmm. And just the significance of the space and the music and it was a really amazing thing to like just enveloped in the enveloped sound. in it yeah. they're playing off parts that I put out there <laughs> no it was all because it was, of me no I'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> no it was just it was really moving that whole tour I mean it just we started in London at the BBC proms which was my first experience at there the, which was huge awesome. yeah. yeah and then going and just uh, it was really incredible desert island piece of any genre Bronze four. Oh, okay. I love the last movement of it. Yeah. Listen to that. All day. Nice. Okay. You made it through the Spitfires. I made it. Yay. See you. (laughs) I think I need some percussion lessons. (laughs) Is that how you use a triangle? See, you gotta talk to Ari. No, I think you stay in the corner. (laughs) Okay. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't (laughs) Maureen, can you walk me through your musical origin story? How did you discover the French horn? And then when did you decide to become a musician of any sort? 
walk me through your education and then the turning point of when you decided to go down the librarian route and where are you today? Well, we all know Miss Orchestra, but... So, my mom used to just turn on classical music all the time, Mm -hmm. so we were constantly hearing it, Mm -hmm. and I used to pretend like I was playing the violin as a little kid, like, you know, air violin, air violin, so air guitar. (laughs) Now, that's not to say, my mom also vacuumed to, like, ACDC, right? (laughs) So, we had a a very well-rounded, like, thing, but she she did, yeah, she's a a pretty awesome lady. Yeah. So, we lived in North Carolina, and we were moving to California, and I was so mad, because I was just at the, like, total wrong age. I was going into eighth grade. Uh-huh. To try and, like, get me excited to go. She played L.A. Woman by the Doors, yeah. like, on a loop. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> and she's just, like, standing with the L.A. Woman, oh, like, rocking out, and I was like, no! I want to stay here! <laughs> Which, gosh, I'm lucky. <laughs> I mean, North Carolina is beautiful, but like yeah. just the, but kind of, LA is the nice. opportunities I had yeah. in California were a, a different, yeah. yeah, especially for music. So when I was going into seventh grade, as a sixth grader, they gave us like, whoever wants to be in band has to like go take this test. And mm-hmm. so we had this like multiple choice sheet and then they would play sounds so, like, is this one lower or higher? You know, they just wanted to see if like you had any, any kind sort of tone. Of, yeah, ear. Like, yeah. You flipped it over and on the back it was like which instrument would you like to play and it was like a picture of all the instruments and I saw the horn and I was like that looks really cool and so I just circled that I, see. I was like okay they didn't have a demonstration it was just photos yeah just oh, wow. yeah just, okay and they were like black and white drawings like that yeah. you would see in like a coloring book or something sure and so I went home and I told my mom I was like I chose the horn because I just thought it looked really cool and she got really excited she was like oh yeah the French horn is cool I was like okay I mean, it is yeah yeah and so luckily the seventh grade band director was a horn player okay because it's just such a difficult instrument yes. to start with yeah um, just because the you know notes are so close together and isn't it also the note. mouthpiece is also the smallest isn't that part of the tr- or no I guess no trumpet I guess is smaller than well trumpet it has a fatter well mouthpieces so trumpets are more cup shape okay and like horns are a funnel yeah kind of like a funnel or cone shape and like the rims are a little the rim is a little thinner uh-huh and a lot thinner than like a trumpet and the trumpet is a little more shallow and it's just the length too of the instrument sure. right so you have to blow more air it, into it yeah and it, it makes the overtone series like closer together in some ways and like and there's only four keys so you can like any number of like fingerings can give you like 60 notes it feels like <laughs> and so a lot of times i'll have young kids start on like just an f horn because okay. what you're used to seeing is double or triple horns on it right so it's a b flat and an f horn and sometimes they have a high b flat or a high f side if somebody's playing a triple horn okay anywho so i got lucky that i had a good base foundation and I just really liked it. I just had a lot of fun doing it and played through high school. My parents got a teacher for me when we moved to California who played in movie studios. Like mm-hmm. he was a studio guy mm-hmm. and took me along one time. Oh, cool. And that was cool. And I was like, I could never do this because those, those musicians can just lay down. Oh, I know. And it's just go fast and there's no mistakes and they just... Yeah. And it was for the movie Big Daddy. Do you remember that Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> Where he adopts a kid. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my god, I haven't thought about. Okay, yeah, you, That's right. you pulled you pulled some knowledge yeah. out of my brain from like tucked back in the archives back there. Yeah, yeah. I t- remember telling my dad that I was going to be a horn player in the New York Philharmonic mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> my yeah. dad being like, I just don't see me myself being serenaded by a horn in my old age. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, you can blame you. They're loud. Um, <laughs> so, or maybe it was just like hearing me go. Sorry. Um, but I can't imagine. Yeah. And then I got a scholarship to go to University of California, Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. which is a pretty small school. UCSB. For music. UCSB. Yeah. It's a beautiful campus, it, though. It is. Gosh, it's, you're like right near the beach, too. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with why I don't play the horn professionally. <laughs> And then I went to University of Michigan for grad school, and that was a huge wake-up call from Santa Barbara, yeah, yeah. because I was like, Santa Barbara, I got to play a concerto with the wind band, I uh-huh. played the Strauss first horn concerto for wind band, and like got to do all this cool stuff, and then I got to Michigan, and I did not make it into the top orchestra. Okay. I barely made it into the Professor Hayscock, he's the top band. Yeah. Like, I got my butt kicked by a bunch of undergrads, like, it was like, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. like, you know, and I had done some music festivals so I I was aware that I was like still trying to build up those skills but then I was like oh okay and while I was at Michigan, I did not get a scholarship, but I did get work study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked in the ensembles library. And I was like, oh, what's this about? And I was like, wow, I had no, I mean, like most people, I had no idea like this was part of what's going on. So I really worked there a lot, as many hours as I could. And then in between my first year and second year of my master's degree, I contacted the Detroit Symphony Library and asked if they wanted an intern. Sure. And they said, sure, we've never had one before but like sure and like the first part of it until me moving their sets anything that they could have music tied up and wrapped in they did into nice archival boxes <laughs> and I would come home just filthy dirty and mm-hmm. they were just you remember those old like black paper folders yes yeah and your hands would be black after like just yes yeah it was that kind of paper you know it's like and some yeah. of it had like dead bugs you know from, from stuff like when they were playing outdoors yes um, oh my gosh the number of little yeah. Like bug sm- guts that you yeah, see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain pieces of music. Yeah. In Detroit, it's like the mayflies, right? Because they would play at one of the Ford houses outside and it was like mayfly season. They would just be dripping from the stands. Ugh. So I was like, okay, like this is a different thing. And, and as soon as I got my degree, and that's how I met Denise mm-hmm. and, or the horn players yeah. and kind of got hooked up with that scene. And I was like, okay, like this would be good. And I was doing every like not great gig. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in the Dearborn Symphony. We called it the Dearborn Philharmoniker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the other DSO. Yeah, I see. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fine play. I mean, they were usually Michigan students with like a few local things, but it, they all played like 50 bucks a service. Yeah. You know? And then I was teaching a bunch and working the library like 35 hours a week. I took a lot of auditions as a horn player and was like... Did you ever advance? I never advanced. Okay. And like, I would play for people and they would be like, I don't understand why you're not advancing. Like, what's happening? Sure. And I'm just like, I, it's like having an out-of-body experience. Every <laughs> like, time? Every time. And yeah. I tried the proponanol. Like, I tried... Like, 
like yo, you know, meditation. Yeah. It just was, I just could not get it together <laughs> to do it. You know, I think like my best audition was probably the Houston Symphony. Yeah. I got through the entire list. Yeah. And when I emailed one of the horn players who was willing to like, and he was like, you know, apologize, my notes are very curt. They're just yes, like, that's they, yeah. He's like, but I will tell you, you got to play everything and not everybody did. So I was like, okay. Yeah. And I think I did a few more auditions after that. And then yeah. I was like, okay, maybe you should try something else. And yeah. I started taking library auditions and I worked at the Aspen Music Festival as a librarian. And my first real library audition was for the New York Phil. Mm-hmm. And it was not good. <laughs> can, can, I, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. And can you describe what it looks like to even go into a librarian audition? Yes. So you send in your resume, but you also are sending in some sort of project. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the New York Phil, it was like, do we want to see your computer manuscript and then your hand manuscript? I see. So I did the first page of Don Juan. Okay. The first violin. and On computer. Just the first part of it on computer. And then I did the rest. I did one whole page. Yeah. Like half computer, half hand manuscript. Got it. And my goal is to make it hard to tell. The difference. I think I did a pretty good job on it. I'm sure you did. (laughs) Your penmanship is amazing. It's it's kind of gone downhill lately. But (laughs) at one point, it was really good. I still have it somewhere because I'm very proud of it. So that's what they have me send. And then you like go and show up at the place and you have to take a test. And usually that test is like musical terms in different languages. And what is the nickname or what symphony has the nickname of this? So like the little Russian, like which Tchaikovsky symphony is that? And then like... No, because one is Winter Dreams, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Which is actually a little Russian, I guess, is an offensive name or something like that, because it was like Ukrainian themes. And mm, and I did so, not know so, that. So, nicknames of symphonies and like, what are the old numbers for Dvorak symphonies and what are they now? And, oh, wow. Like, some people will even ask you like opus numbers and keys of symphonies, mm-hmm. which is kind of intense. You know, they ask you about copyright, they ask you oh, to do a transposition mm-hmm. and which for a horn player that's like yeah but then i would like double transpose almost because i'd be like wait a minute if this was in horn and then the little right so i had to like really take myself out of horn mode and like yeah yeah they ask you about like where what publishers like if we were to ask you who are stravinsky's publishers you know mm-hmm. that sort of thing mm-hmm. so you list all that stuff out so it's almost like a trivia yeah. test that is like the first round and then the second round is like more interviewee type stuff Although in New York, it was kind of spitfire questions, like... Not as hard as mine, right? I mean, no! <laughs> sorry, I have to say that the opposite. Not as easy as mine. Yeah, right. I mean, it was this, like, panel of the audition committee with the principal librarian sitting in the middle and just saying, who composed this piece? He's like, you probably know it by a different name. And I was like, I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> You know, because like, yeah. I think it was the Rakotsky March, he asked him about something like that. Oh, um, okay, okay. And I just remember walking out of there just being like, I was so unprepared. Like, I feel so embarrassed. Like, he's, and I'm sure his name is Larry Tarlow, probably has no memory mm-hmm. of this, other than they hired a really great person who still works there. Yeah. It really prepared me for the next time. I still have them, like a stack of three by five cards mm-hmm. that are like anything weird that's mm-hmm. happened and what weird instrumentation 
in a piece and like yeah i think the instrumentation part would be the trickiest thing to remember well sometimes yeah they will ask you like what pieces call for triangle in this well yeah like what that. pieces call it, it was more like what are the no, strange sure. yeah <laughs> what would you need to tell your personnel office about don quixote Right. Or something. Right. Like, okay, well, there's solo cello, cello, viola, viola, there's a wind machine, you know, things like that. Like, yeah. yeah, Okay. Or like pieces that have like 10 or 2 or like Mahler's that have like a guitar in it. Like, you know, like these weird instruments that they would have to hire extras for. Right. And it's just such a different, like, I kind of started taking auditions before. I mean, now we all have databases that we all have access to. And like, everything's online. And like, not that I'm that old, but like, I feel like I was kind of like on the cusp of like where that was kind of shifting. And we don't need to have this stuff at the tip of our fingers so much anymore. Yeah. I wonder if they think that it's still really useful for the principal librarian to kind of have that spitfire knowledge at your fingertips. Well, it is. And it's, it's, it's good to know when you're building a season which pieces raise red flags for you. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I should really look into that because sometimes yeah. they do weird stuff. Right. So that's kind of your... And then the yeah. last round is usually with the audition committee and the music director. And right. they're asking you questions. A really question that has come up a lot in these things over the years is, like, all this stuff happened at the same time. Like, what would you do first and why? Oh, okay. And so you're just kind of an order of operations, right? Like, yeah. okay, well, I would have to do this because rehearsal is about to start. And I would tell this person that they need to wait because they don't need their practice parts for next week, you know? And right. like, so you just, it's kind of going down and like, they really want to know your personality. And so they're asking like that kind of question to see how you would deal. I mean, because we kind of, we have to be such negotiators. Yeah. And just be able to kind of like parse a lot of egos. Yeah. Not good or bad. It's yeah. just, there's a lot of really important people that need yeah. the library at once. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you just need to be able to know when to talk to people mm-hmm. and when to leave them alone. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not good at that, but <laughs> I think, I think I've gotten better over the years. The thing that I have a hard time remembering sometimes is it's okay to ask the questions yeah. <laughs> that you need to like do it and yeah. to do your job. And it's not, it's not a stupid question. And if they act like it's a stupid question, that has nothing to do with you. That's true. Wow, um, I feel like that's just like life advice. Yeah. Like I just need to remember that forever. <laughs> I know. Well, I, t- I have to tell myself that daily. So I was way more successful at library auditions than I ever was at a horn audition. Like I made it to a, a good round in the National Symphony. Mm-hmm. Then I was was in Aspen in Utah. Oh, I did really well at the Kansas City Symphony. Yeah. I made it to the finals. And because I did well, the Utah Symphony principal librarian called up their principal and was like, hey, I have a one-year position. You just had an audition. Like, who did well? Yeah. Like, Your name came my, up. My name came up. I actually wrote a thank you note to Alina yeah, for, for doing that. Yeah. And I, since I was in Aspen, like, that's not too far from Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And he had me do a test. Now, he is much more interested in in what how somebody works than that spitfire knowledge sure so, and it was a very different kind of test it was like yeah I still had the transposition and that mm-hmm. sort of thing but it was like here's a program what do you do and it was like okay well for this piece I would need to do this and for this piece I would need to you know and I just like bullet points like yeah I need would need to rent parts and then it right. would need to go these, get these by the strings that, yeah and then yeah. like and here's the weird thing about it and yeah da-da-da. and I would need to ask like what addition and yeah, yeah, yeah you know which is, I think is a good way to 
to see because you're really going to have to work. I mean, librarians' longevity in the orchestra is so different because we're not physically using our bodies in the same way. I mean, there is like a lot of bending over and like yeah. my really thick Coke bottle glasses because of just staring at notes. And there is some repetitive, you know, stuff, but it's it's just you're not having to challenge your body in the same way. So you can be in, in a career in a library for a long time. For your lifetime. Yeah. yeah. So you really want to know how that person works and how they think. I think more and more auditions are shifting that focus to that. Yeah. And I think it's like asking an excerpt, right? Like mm-hmm. for a horn audition, for like second horn, you're always going to play that eroica yeah. thing. Doesn't matter yeah. how hard it is. That's just like, if you can play that, we know that you've played this before. Yeah. So it's kind of like that same, if you can answer this question, we know that you've like been in an orchestra long enough that you have come across this at some point. Right. So I think... The maturity of, of the maturity of the it. job. Yeah. yeah, I get that. So it's, it's not bad questions, but um, yeah. they're kind of are gearing towards more like, well, how does this person work and think? Mm-hmm. And how would they find the answer if they couldn't answer it? Mm-hmm. So then, so you were at Utah for about a year. I did a one year and then I got the job for reals. I had oh, to right. go through a whole thing. Audition. Yeah. Clovis, who was the principal librarian, he was like, I was really nervous. Like, what if you blew it? Because yeah. he's like, I was going to have, you know, I was going to have to go with the best person. Yeah. And I was like, well, well you good were- thing I didn't blow it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked there for seven years. Yeah. But you weren't the principal. I was not the principal there. Yeah. I was the second librarian. Got which it. It was called like the assistant librarian or something like that. I sure. don't remember. And I was really in charge of a lot of the pops and education side of things. Right. Kind of the Valerie job of the Minnesota Orchestra. Yeah. 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 And um, that's just, he was not, Clovis was not interested in doing that. And he was the principal. So he could kind of delegate how delegate he wanted. wanted. Yeah. But that, or he, that library, he really walked in and was like, what needs to be done today? That's what needs to be done. Yeah. And I really, I think we worked really well together. So seven years there. And I took a couple other auditions. National Symphony had a principal audition which I thought it was an incredibly hard test mm. I was kind of mad by the end of it because I was just like this is nonsense which yeah. it, it wasn't but I was just mad I mean and that's the thing about these library auditions like either you know it or you don't yeah. and you were lucky if you happen to either come across that piece or you happen to study it yeah study that thing before right. the, the audition and that one I just did not have and usually how I prepare is I go through the entire season of an orchestra like what I can find everything I can find on the internet and like because those things that are like caused problems in the past or were weird are gonna get asked yeah they, because they just went through yeah, it yeah they just went through it and they're like oh yeah remember that let's ask them about that yeah and it was like kind of a tried and true method until that national symphony and I just was like what yeah like <laughs> and then I took a audition for the Boston Symphony mm-hmm. and I did pretty well at mm-hmm. and had a trial week and then they didn't hire anyone. So I kind of was like done. I was like, well, Utah's a beautiful place to live. Yeah. I had just had a kid. Yeah. Like, Florence. yeah, Florence. <laughs> So I was kind of over it, and then the principal job here opened up, and one of my best friends lives in Eau Claire, oh, which okay. is like an hour and a half from here. She, yeah. I took the picture of the job posting in the union paper, and she's like, if you don't take that audition, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I was like... Well, I don't know. Like, I'm feeling really tired about taking auditions. And then, really, my husband, like, he was like, Maureen, I know that you are over it, but you just, how often does a principal librarian job in a a major orchestra come up? Yeah. I was like, okay. And just like one more, kind of like one of those things. Just one more last hurrah. 
Yeah. Um, so I did. I took it. And I here we are. Here we are. And the rest is history. Um, oh, I don't have any instruments <laughs> for that, I guess. And this, it was a really fair test, too. Like, there was a pre-project. Like, I had to do some Boeing's thing. And then they did, like, an interview. And then there was, like, an in-library skills thing, which that's where the transposition. And they had me, like, make a part. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And they only gave us, I want to say, an hour, maybe an hour and a half to do, like, these tasks. And I was, like, running short on time. So I'm like, I'm just going to do a piece of everything so they know. Like, I, I didn't finish the transposition because I was like, I'm just going to do I a see. line of it so they can see that I you I can do what it. I'm doing. And then I'm going to yeah. finish these other things. Yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah. And then the final round was Osmo. And I remember him asking me, if I were to ask somebody in your orchestra what they think of you, what would they say? Oh. That was a good question. Oh. I was like, well. Well, I think she's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So prepared. I think that they would say that they can trust me and that they like me and I'm a good person, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. Depends on who you ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's a great job. It's a great orchestra. I'm really proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Especially with what we've done over the past year and what we're going to be doing. Any little insight into the next season? You know, we're in a music director search, Mm -hmm. so a lot of guests coming through, and our AAC has really taken, that's the Artistic Advisory Committee, they've really taken up their, we have to get underrepresented voices on every concert. Yeah. And we have a DEI committee that's working really hard. There's some overlap between DEI committee and the AAC, which I think is helpful. Diversity and equity is D. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just to... Yeah. Sorry. Just throwing out. It's a lot of acronyms. It is becoming an act. Yeah, but it's, yeah, just for any listeners that might not know. Yeah, there is something on every concert almost for the next season that I've never heard Mm -hmm. or even heard of this composer, which is exciting. Yeah. We're too comfortable. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? And and symphonies are suffering for it. They Um, really are, yeah. Of course you want to hear that stuff that you love. Yeah. But what if you love something else and you just don't know it? What if you discover something on the same program of the same thing that you loved yeah exactly so it's like let's hear some other stuff like let's yeah. be uncomfortable or let's be like wow that was really incredible like i want to find out more about this person and yeah that's yeah that's uh, that sounds like a super exciting start for the minstrel orchestra yeah maureen is this a good time to take a break sure yep. okay we'll be right back Welcome back from the break. So during the pandemic, you began a journey of doing a doodle a day. And I was curious how you got into cartooning or doodling in general. Yeah, well, okay. So how did I start? I mean, like all kids. My mom was really anti-coloring book. Oh, okay. And she was like, you draw your own pictures and then you can I, color them. I got coloring books, so that's right. Well, Florence gets coloring books. Yeah. So maybe I'm stunting her artistic no, 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 apparently not. <laughs> I can't draw Elsa, though, so, you know, maybe I could, but... No. <laughs> so she, I think, just wanted me to, like, draw mm-hmm. and be creative. And my mom is a fantastic artist. I would go to my grandparents' house and just find... I was like, oh, this is a cool, like, painting of a duck on a rock like oh that's my mom's initials or here's a beautiful piece of pottery oh my mom did that oh yeah. here's a wood carving like yeah just, so she's just very artsy she, and yeah, yeah and, just yeah. 
really talented and I always wanted to be as good as her, which I'm not. <laughs> but I, I'm more of like a cartoony style. And I just, growing up, I watched The Simpsons sure. and like, you know, we Looney Tunes here. Yeah. yeah What's Up Doc was really yeah. appropriate. That was, yeah. And you didn't even ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> Looney Tunes. That's also what introduced me to Wagner with like the Kill the Wabbit, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, I, like any kid, loved the Disney movies and I would pause the movie and try and draw. Oh. I entered a draw your favorite character from Aladdin contest that Disney did and they would like I would have won a trip to Disney and like saw the premiere of the movie I did not win okay okay <laughs> but I drew I, I drew Princess Jasmine and I did like you know I painted it it was I don't know what it looked like but yeah. in my mind it looks really good similar. but so you would like have it on screen and look down so it wasn't like you're tracing on the TV no no like yeah okay. I would pause I, and then you know back in the day like a VCR would only pause for like a couple minutes and then it would start playing again is that right yeah I don't remember that but I did grow up with VCRs yeah but I didn't remember that they would play after an automated yeah I think they probably would mess up the tape if it like just stayed like, on or something oh uh, like burned through okay yeah. maybe I don't know yeah. but it would start playing so I'd have to like rewind it and like try and find that oh, exact wow. spot again <laughs> wow dedication yeah um so that's what got me into it and then I would just like make birthday cards for people and mm-hmm. they just found it to be special so I was like oh, well is it is it's I an original do. piece you know yeah in undergrad I worked at the student paper mm-hmm. it's called the Nexus, mm-hmm. and you could probably Google stock that too. UCSB Nexus, <laughs> see some of my, and they would have artists do drawings for the editorial page and the police blotter, which mm-hmm. was always really fun. Mm-hmm. Like you know, somebody being dumb and drunk, and right. so you could draw silly things. Sure, I got to work. The person who was like the art director when I was a junior actually has a show on Netflix that he created, and he's amazing artist. Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. Have you watched this? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Okay. And it's like all hand animated. Oh, um, very cool. His name is Rad Seacrest. I wish I would have taken some drawing lessons from him. He would draw things and then like ink it with either calligraphy pen sometimes or he was trying brushes for a while, like ink and brush. Sure. I was a pen girl, microns. But I got really good because I was doing it every day. Yeah. When I started having nieces and nephews, I would do their birthday cards. Yeah. I haven't done that stuff in a while. It just it catches up with you. <laughs> like, sure. I, have, I have seven nieces and nephews now. But I every every now and again we'll pull one out. I used to draw a cow every year for Kit's birthday card. Uh huh. Was the cow? I'm sure do. doing things, yeah. doing man and random things. The first one was a was a ballerina, like a la Fantasia. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the pandemic came and you know everyone's like, well be home. I was like, well, I've been kind of mad that I'm not good at, as good at drawing anymore. Yeah. And I'm just going to try this, like, doing it every day thing. And I did it. You I did s- it for a while. I did. I started on March 17th. Mm-hmm. Was my Doomsday. last day in the office. Yeah. And then I did it through, like, maybe a few days after George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, I just, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> sure. You know, I just sure. had no sense of humor left. Because a lot of it's like really silly goofy stuff some of it's like personal but mostly just things that made me laugh well can i bring up one that is sparking my memory yeah so you mentioned earlier in the podcast that florence really loves taylor swift oh yeah and i remember because we were also doing some library meetings during the pandemic just to at least keep ourselves sane together (laughs) which i really appreciated but in one of these meetings you were mentioning that florence she just learned or heard the song shake it off (laughs) and one of 
of your doodles is you getting so annoyed because all she was doing was singing Shake It Off and mm-hmm. it was getting stuck in your head, right? Yeah. So anyway, I just remember that particular one. Yeah, that one was, I think it was me saying, so I may have introduced Florence to Taylor Swift today and the drawing of Kit's and Kit was in it saying, this is grounds for divorce. <laughs> and Florence just running around going, shake it off, shake it off, huh, 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 shake it off. Yeah. And that's all she would do on this loop. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun song, it's but when you have song. a little when you have a little girl singing it constantly, yeah. that was a whole day too, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. whole day. And like, she's still like two days ago. She asked me to turn on Taylor Swift, and we have Apple Music now for whatever Apple device that we bought, and so we have like the year whatever. So we go in, and it's like Taylor Swift Essentials, and it's like just a whole smattering of her career. Yeah, you know, so it's like the stuff that you heard in high school. Yep, and then like stuff that she just released over the pandemic. Right, and it's like girl can write a song. Do you remember the Swift to the no. um, SML? No, you need to look up this. Okay, it's like a Dramamine type thing for when you realize that you like Taylor Swift because you're. Like, oh no! Like, <laughs> okay. And I think Keenan Thomas is like, girl, can I write a song? Like, he's like in the fetal position. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Swift fan as well. So yeah. I, I, yeah, she can write a song. She can. You know, some of it's. I mean. Yeah, but I, I yeah, there's one that gets stuck in my head, one of the new songs. Or uh-huh. there's like three of them that get stuck. Mm-hmm. But I have to be careful because she does have a few that have a, a lot more naughty words in them. Sure. Yeah. Shake it off. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I saw doing the doodles because I think I just kind of hit that. Yeah. Well, and especially with what was happening in our city, too. Was, yeah, it was intense there. Yeah. Our house is like a mile and a half from 38th in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was just a lot going on and it was a little scary there for a while just because everyone was on such edge. And I think that was kind of overblown, especially in the neighborhoods. Like, there was nothing nothing scary or dangerous happening in the neighborhoods. But, right. like, there was just this heightened sense of whatever and your phones were blowing up with the yeah. curfew things and it was just yep. like the national guard yeah, is walking I mean, down you could hear the helicopter yeah i mean it was just like uh, it was a lot so i was like yeah i'm gonna <laughs> mm-hmm. not do this and yeah i had a few people be like oh you should start that up again i'm like well i do i draw i just don't post it yeah you know, I, it got to be a lot of pressure i was like it was supposed to be fun now i feel the pressure of, which was probably a good thing because it kept me doing it longer sure i was like oh people are gonna expect that i should do this but i also was like Ugh, i'm obsessing over a hand help like a glass of wine like how how do I draw that? Yeah. It's like, this is supposed to be fun. I'm not supposed to be spending two hours trying to draw Yeah, it. sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Despite your suffering, we did enjoy it. So yeah. I will say. But I mean, I understand, like, you, you need to put the pen down and do it on whenever the creativity comes to you rather than it being forced by or demanded by any audience that might be watching on Instagram. Well, so I have a children's book that I have had in my brain for a long time. You mean you haven't, like, written it, but it's in there? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. I know, I know this story. It's about Elmira. The cat? The cat. Okay, not the person. Not the person. Yeah. And I just need to draw a bunch of cats. Like, a billion cats. I know. Look at sushi. I can Um, can lend you sushi as well. Caligula. Can sushi be in the... In the yeah, she, yeah, well, Amira might puff up and hiss at her because, like, she does not like other cats. Oh. But I know it's a bummer. The other thing that's kind of difficult is I'm such a pen and paper girl. So the transition to... The any transition to... Digitization of Yeah, I animation. don't know how to use photo... I mean, yeah, I don't know how to use Photoshop. I'm okay with saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I Because yeah. we used it at UCSB, mm-hmm. but very basic. Like, mm-hmm. Very, like, fill-in, like, you know, shadow, that kind of stuff. I follow someone on Instagram 
Yuko art. And she will do like the beautiful like Japanese style with the pen and ink. Mm -hmm. She does that on paper and sketch and then she fills in it's almost like painting, but she's doing it in Photoshop. I see. And like has the brushes and I don't know how they do I don't know how how the digital artists do it. I, yeah. And I haven't practiced that bike. So we bought an iPad. Yeah. And I have the pen. And I've tried. Yeah. I just don't have time to kind of sit down and figure it out. I should just take a class. And sure. I did like a little, I did a little thing. It was, Florence got this stuffed bat for Christmas and it's really cute. And so I drew it as a character. Yeah. And I, I did it on the iPad and whatever app that I could find. But it's, it's super flat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, um, yeah, some of, some of these artists that have figured out how to use this incredible, it's really incredible, but Program, that yeah. is not what my skill level is at. Sure, and, sure. And that's why I call it doodling, because it's just, if you look at any of my, like, to-do lists or, like, meeting notes, there's always something going on in the margins. Yeah. I think the last one I took a picture of, I sent to my sister, I drew David Bowie or something. Oh, cool. <laughs> Who knows why he's parked up in my head, but well, it was there. I know, he's not awesome. A, yeah, because he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that leads to a question I was going to ask. What is your inspiration behind the doodles? Yeah, I, it just whatever pops into my silly brain. I think I have an okay sense of humor, so. Oh, yes, you do. I find, <laughs> if I find something funny, like that little stuffed bat, it's just so dang cute. And I was like, I have to draw that. Uh-huh. You know, so just things like that. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, or I'll draw the cat and the dog because they're usually like in my space mm-hmm. doing stuff. I can draw myself and Kit pretty well Florence has changed so much sure it's hard to keep keep up with keep her up with her like yeah mannerisms and changes yeah and things like that. yeah I get that yeah so yeah she'll change again like I, I haven't drawn her in a while and she's like did she open her mouth and show you I've lost four teeth and no, like, this no. one's growing in so it's like yeah, yeah I feel like it's hard to keep up with her she doesn't have her look yet although yeah. I'm pretty sure she will do you see your baby pictures and think that you look like the exact same person no see I do <laughs> okay. Okay. And Florence does. Uh-huh. Kit does not. Uh-huh. And his sister does not, but his other sister does. So it's like yeah. you either I will look like this just getting older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For like the rest of my life. And I think Florence will probably be that way too. So it shouldn't be too hard to to get her. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like uh, you yeah. see baby pictures and be like, who is that? Yeah, I know, I'm way yeah. cuter. Like I don't know what happened. <laughs> <That's wild. laughs> Can I stay so, that way? <laughs> It's also a way to keep me focused in what's happening. I know that seems contrary. Like, yeah. I remember being in math class in, like, seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, and the teacher, Mrs. Crunkleton, I think was her name. Isn't that a great math Crunkleton? teacher? Crunkleton? Crunkleton or Crumpleton or something like that. Oh. She was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm drawing. She's like, well, what have I been talking about? And I told her. Yeah. she's like, okay, you have permission to draw. Yeah. Class. Like, because it just, like, really helped me, like, be in the moment, I guess. And yeah. So I still do it during meetings. And- uh-huh. I mean, other than... And maybe any expectation of anyone seeing any if you're doing it just for yourself yeah do you find that doodling is kind of a zen thing for you to do then like it kind of like as you say it's got like kind of a focus thing but but yeah. even if you weren't in a meeting if you're just sitting at home drawing a bat <laughs> that that's kind of your time aside from whatever fray might be happening around you it can be but then when it gets to be like a hand sure holding a glass of wine and i'm like obsessing over it then it's like well this isn't fun sure right, right. <laughs> i just don't want to do this anymore but i have to finish it you know sure um, do you have any inspirations 
Yeah, you know, Calvin and Hobbes, of course, like, Bill Watterson is amazing. Mm -hmm. And as I'm, like, kind of getting into these, like, having a kid and seeing all these children's books and just seeing, like, some amazing illustrations, Mo Willems, he did the pigeon books, like, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus or Piggy and Elephant or some of his, Patty's giving me a face. Um, I'm like, did I have a stunted childhood? No, 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 no. I I had Good Night Moon. This would have been, yeah, Good Night Moon. (laughs) This would have been after you would have. Mm-hmm. So he has like a really simple style, but there's so much movement in the drawings. Sure. Like it's just really good. So descriptive. It's so descriptive. And like he was doing a like draw with me kind of thing. And like one of his characters is Nuffle Bunny. And it was like, draw Nuffle Bunny with me. And it was, it's really like a circle and like ears, you know? And it's yeah. like, I could draw Nuffle Bunny. Yeah. It's like people thinking they can be Jackson Pollock, right? Like, sure. I can draw Nuffle Bunny. Why am I not like Mo Willems? Because yeah. you didn't draw Nuffle Bunny. You didn't come up with it. And right. his Nuffle Bunny kicks your Nuffle Bunny's butt. <laughs> um, no. But like, he. <laughs> I just really love the life in these, like, really simple drawings yeah. like, that I could duplicate, but, like, he just has this, like, great style yeah. all his own. You're kind of reminding me of what Ari mentioned in her episode when she was talking about manga and how there's so little, but it says so much at the same time. Yeah. You don't even have to have text or whatever, but it seems like you seem to even go towards the more simplistic side yeah. of your illustrations, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, that's partially because I can't do all the well now it's like the digital stuff but in like just don't i just don't have the perspective to be able to add like the manga stuff that has like backgrounds there's so much perspective in it yeah right right. my stuff is just very flat yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know but i mean peanuts got really far so (laughs) yeah yeah So what is your main equipment that you use if the iPad is pending? Well, I'll just draw on any sort of paper, but if I'm doing something like a card or something, I'll use Bristol board mm-hmm. and then pencil and like a Micron archival pen. And they come in different sizes and you can have the really skinny ones for like the detailed stuff sure. and then the fatter ones if you want to do like outlines and that sort of thing. I'm assuming this is not that expensive to pick up if it's a hobby, if it's something No, yeah. I Well, so when I was doing it more seriously, I did buy, like, Prismacolor makes these markers that you can blend. Mm -hmm. And that was really nice. Those are fun. Yeah, Yeah, but they're expensive. Yeah. I still have some. I'm sure half of them are dried up at this point, but... um, Are these the ones that, like, one side is thick and the other's really thin? Yeah, I used to use those and, yeah. They're so nice. Yeah. I love using those pens. I can do some cool stuff with those. Yeah. A lot of birthday cards get made with those. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like doing the decoupage stuff too, like where you like, I was using like different types of paper and then inking around that. So oh, okay. It was like that was filling in the color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other than maybe getting those blending pens, it's not relatively inexpensive. Yeah. The Bristol board paper is cheap, which okay. is probably why it's kept going. I haven't, I haven't invested on any money in it for a long time. Is there any doodle that you've been really proud of? Yeah, I mean, so I have an octopus that's kind of a recurring thing, and I usually, I think I can draw an octopus cartoon pretty well. Uh-huh. <laughs> I made a card for some donors as a thank you thing, and it was an, a librarian octopus, and it had like a pencil in one hand, and one of its tentacles, and like some music, and like racer. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, sure. It, and I was like, this was really cool. Nice. I was, I was pretty proud of that. Are there any other last comments or thoughts that you had that you wanted to share with us about doodling? So the doodle that you asked, I said octopus, which is the one that I'm actually popped in my mind that I'm super proud of. I made one that was arm length, so poly 
probably about five, six feet yeah. wide. And I did it. I have butcher paper roll. And I drew it and Florence and I colored it together. Uh-huh. And I cut it to where we have a three windows in our front and it went in the window. Oh, cool. For like earlier in the pandemic. Just yeah. to make people smile as they're walking down. Yeah. The street. We did a couple different things, but the octopus was the coolest. Yeah. I remember there was a giraffe, too. There's a giraffe. Yeah, Yeah. I had that in the... That was a... Yeah, giraffes and octopuses. I don't know what it is about them, but I can draw. (laughs) (laughs) Those I don't need much practice with, but those... That one turned out really cool, and I actually just threw it away not that long ago, because it's... I mean, the butcher paper is just, like... Yeah. Especially with the sun beating in on that one, it's a... It's gonna fray. It's a western-facing windows, you know, so it's just getting all that afternoon sun, and it just... The paper, it's just cheap paper. Yeah. So it was like super fragile, but yeah, yeah she had fun doing that for a while. I was yeah. drawing an animal for her and she'd come down in the morning and then we'd color it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then she would draw stuff and so it was a good activity. Yeah. Well, that mood lasted. <laughs> sure. It wasn't a forever mood, but it no. was a good one while it lasted. Yeah, it's a big artwork too, so it like, yeah. takes a while to, it's like a puzzle or something. Like. Yeah, I think I did that one time lapse, like I time lapsed myself yeah. drawing it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, Sharpie and butcher paper. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Well, thanks for sharing your hidden talent, I guess. <laughs> but it's always very impressive whenever you do decide to showcase some of it. So. Oh, thanks. You've got a fan over here. Oh, thank you, Patty. <laughs> Can I ask you two final questions? Yes. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self about entering and pursuing a music career? Just be brave. Just go for it. It's sometimes hard to convince yourself sometimes to do these things and you really should just do it. Because like, yeah, and the worst thing they're going to say is no. And like, no, that's not true. The worst thing is that yours can feel awful afterwards. But like, you should just do it anyway. Yeah. And don't take it so personally. That's really hard to do because it's such a, this is your guts out on stage and you're like, you're just doing it. So just be brave and it's just remember that you like it. Yeah, that's like two nuggets in one. As we enter a post-pandemic world, what elements of your musical pandemic life would you want to continue and what would you want to shed? I would like to continue the idea of being able to do some work at home Mm -hmm. because it is possible. I don't need to sit in my office to do a bunch of emailing or to order music and that sort of thing. So I think there is space to be able to not have to be in the building and just to be able to like maybe prioritize like something else that day, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot, you know, we spent a lot of time prioritizing our working life. And I think if the pandemic has taught us anything is that like working life, it's important, but we also have these other people in our lives that we should be paying attention to. So I think that would be nice to be able to maintain some of that freedom of not having to be confined to that nine to five hour what would I shed this kind of goes back to the advice I'd give to myself as a younger person I'd give to myself now it's like taking things personally and sometimes doing all these synchronization licenses and the things that we had to do to be able to put it online if those didn't come through or we didn't get the permission or Mm -hmm. you name it I just felt like I was doing my job poorly and it wasn't my fault I can't control if they will allow us to do that but in the moment you could not convince me that it wasn't my fault (laughs) if I could let that part go and I think that kind of comes with that perfectionist of being a musician thing right right you want everything to you want the a plus at the end of the day yeah I want the high five I want everyone to love me yeah if I could let that go I think I would be a lot less stressed out 
that's going to be a work. Yeah. Progress. I mean, again, I feel very similar. Like, I need to work on that, too. Yeah. It, it yeah. gets exhausting after a while. It's yeah. really exhausting. And I think we only ended up really having to pull a couple things. But it's just like, I knew how exhausted the artistic planning people were. Right. And the artistic advisory committee and, like, everyone else. And I was like, if I don't make this happen, then they have to go back to their drawing boards and, right. like, find something else to do. Right. But that's yeah, not but all in your control either. Right, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. at all in our control, and they know they get that. Yeah, right. You know, but it's like when you're like, you go back and you're like, oh, we didn't get the permission for that, and you just see everyone's just like deflated. Yeah. That was hard, and so we kind of learned who it was going to be, which publishers it would be difficult to work with or find, or just because those poor people were dealing with thousand emails a day yeah you know seriously, because yeah. everyone was putting stuff suddenly yeah. yeah and so yeah they didn't have the infrastructure for it so it's like right. you wouldn't get emails back and it wasn't their fault right you know? and right, it's right. just but you feel like you know like you're, you're the one they're like oh they hate the minnesota orchestra it's like no they just had got like 60 other emails that day yeah <laughs> you know? right so, right right yeah perspective in that perspective mm-hmm. yes <laughs> i would shed pandemic pers- you know we all have very the pigeonhole yeah tunnel vision yeah that's what i guess i meant yeah. to say <laughs> tunnel vision of like this has to happen or everything's gonna fall apart right so we just need to like that sounds very healthy space (laughs) back to the first thing let's give ourselves some space yeah (laughs) maureen are there any platforms or websites for listeners to learn more about you or any upcoming projects just on the minnesota orchestra website it's minnesotaorchestra.org Great. And if you enjoyed listening, be sure to smash that subscribe button wherever you're tuning into this podcast. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. It doesn't need to be long. Your review will help others search for the podcast because of the crazy algorithms. And you'll make Sushi's Day. And it's free. Make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family as well. If you want to level up, you can always become part of the Hide and Behind the Music Stand family by donating what you will on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash hideandmusicstand. Our social media handle for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is at hideandmusicstand, and we'd love to hear from you at our email, hideandmusicstand at gmail.com. Didn't recognize a piece we discussed during the episode? No worries. There's a Spotify playlist with all the music discussed for your convenience. The link is in the description of each episode. Thank you so much, Maureen, for being on the show today. Thank you, Patty. I feel honored to have been asked. (laughs) I really do. You're doing this is awesome. Oh, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. And hopefully my listeners. Not hopefully. And my listeners. (laughs) Librarian, pass forward. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for listening. Sushi, say bye. And she also has a, it seems like she, well, I mean, maybe this is all kids, but it seems like she definitely gained a, uh, a artistic trait from you as well. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely biased, but um, <laughs> we were doing, she likes to, when we do watercolors mm-hmm. together, um, which I'm very bad at, but you know, it's okay. We can all be. <laughs> I mean, she, look around yeah. my apartment. I don't. I just put up any kind of art that I do. Well, and she, oh, did you do some of this? I did. Oh. Well, not this, but yeah, all the well, other I know stuff. That yeah, like, yeah, cool. I, this, um, did you do that? No, not this one. I found that one. That's cool. Too. I, I no way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you had some no. Bob Ross moment. Maybe you were, like, <laughs> did some happy little grapes and the grapes are tree. <laughs>
<laughs> Maybe they should, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just watch him and just... I, I mean, I watched that all the time as a kid. He yeah. just made it look so easy, and then you try and sit down and paint. And you're, and you're doing... like... Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I was thinking about this one, because... I, I, like I yeah. said, I was trying to figure out... I was trying to not listen too much, because I wanted it to be, like, dynamic, so... It was a hard one for me. Um, probably Professor Haithcock, who is the director of bands at the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sushi! <laughs> she needs to be on the show. Like, that's yeah. what's happening. Sushi, where is, amazing. Where, where is she? I thought she was under the table. Is she in the... Is she still in there? I don't know. 